I love this time of day because this is when the good breaking news happens. Hello, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham, News Talk 96.5 KPL. This is the Joe Cunningham Show. Glad to be with y'all today. As I was getting in the car to come to the radio station, I got an alert on my phone from National Review. It was breaking news alert. Breaking, Trump sues Hillary Clinton, DNC, over, quote, unthinkable Russiagate plot. Um, Then you also have, I think it's Chuck Ross. Is he the Daily Caller still? I don't remember if he's at the Daily Caller. Uh, Let's see. He's either at the Daily Caller or the Free Beacon. I cannot remember which one, but he's in D.C. Um, Yes, he's at the Free Beacon. Uh, And he tweets out, Trump sues everyone and their dog involved in the Steele dossier and Russia collusion hoax. This is a real thing. Breaking it down just a little bit. President Trump, former President Trump, is suing Hillary Clinton, the Democratic National Committee, and a bunch of other Democrats and allies in a lawsuit filed today where he's demanding jury trial, by the way. It looks like a defamation suit. It's not specifically said in this story. uh, But the lawsuit states, in the run-up to the 2016 presidential election, Hillary Clinton and her cohorts orchestrated an unthinkable plot, one that shocks the conscience and is an affront to this nation's democracy. Acting in concert, the defendants maliciously conspired to weave a false narrative that their Republican opponent, Donald J. Trump, was colluding with a hostile foreign sovereignty. The scheme was conceived, coordinated, and carried out by top-level officials at the Clinton campaign and the DNC, including the candidate herself, who attempted to shield her involvement behind a paywall of third parties. This is probably going to go nowhere. To be completely honest, this is probably going to go nowhere. If this is a defamation suit, uh, Trump is a public figure. This will, uh, that, that already sets it up to be a very high bar for any sort of defamation. But he is seeking damages. And he wants a jury trial. He wants all this to be out in the open. He doesn't want a settlement. He doesn't want anything like, he wants this to go before a jury. And more importantly, before cameras. There is a reason. I actually told you the reason yesterday. Yesterday, Donald Trump rescinded his endorsement of Alabama Senate candidate Mo Brooks in his uh, in his remo- in the press release where he announced that he would be rescinding his endorsement. He said that Mo Brooks was woke, quote unquote, woke by saying that we need to move on from the 2020 election. Trump and the candidates that he's supporting and his allies are losing ground when it comes to keeping Trump's grievances out there and part of the campaigns, part of the election cycle. Democrats and Republicans, back in November, leading up, I know I've said this a dozen times or more, but it bears repeating. 
Democrats and Republicans in the run-up to Virginia governor race, in the Virginia governor's race, both had polling. They had internal polling. Democrats and Republicans behind the scenes both told me, people who had access to these polls, the type of internal polls that don't get released, both confirmed to me from both parties that their polls show that Americans wanted Congress to get to the bottom of the whole January 6th thing. The Democrats interpreted this as, well, the American public still cares about this, and they want us to go in and indict and, 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 and go after the insurrectionists. And Republicans predicted that it meant that people wanted to move on. The American public wanted Congress to get through with it and move on. They wanted to move on from this. Mo Brooks in Alabama is having to move on from 2020. David Perdue, Trump's preferred uh, gubernatorial candidate in Georgia, is moving on from 2020. It's not succeeding as a talking point. It's not rallying the troops like it used to. The further we move away from it, the more people are just, they, they no longer care. And all of this is building up now. And so you have today, Trump and his lawyers file in a 108-page document in a court that they're suing over the 2016 collusion of Democratic groups, essentially to conspire against him and defame him as little more than Putin's lapdog, that he was colluding with a foreign hostile enemy. To be absolutely fair, this should go to court. I'm not saying that Trump doesn't deserve his chance in court over this. The time for that, though, was a while back. But it's clear that Trump is filing this right now because he's got to keep his grievances in the news cycle in order for them to have any impact, or he thinks he does. The timing is just a little too aligned with the Alabama stuff, the Georgia stuff, polling. Everything that you see happening right now is because Trump is losing on the rhetorical argument that the greatest crimes of the past now eight years, I'm sorry, six years, I'm not a math teacher, has been the Democrats smearing of him and the stealing of an election from him. There is no American out there with who really believes right now, according to the pollings, there are some, but they are not in the mainstream. There's no one out there who thinks that this is the most pressing moment of the day when you have gas prices as high as they are, supply chain issues and inflation issues making groceries as expensive as they are. with the economic problems we're still seeing, with a pandemic that is largely over but still threatening, none of this from 2016 or 2020 is actually something that voters really care about right now. 
We're going to go ahead and take a break. 232-1542 if you want to join in. When we come back, is Trump, because of all this, losing the GOP? I'm going to talk about that. It was my column this morning at Red State. You can see it there, but I'll talk about it after this break here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to call in. We've got Renee on the line. Renee, how are you today? I'm doing fine. I think that anything Trump could do is better than nothing because a lot of these Republicans and conservatives that's in top positions Eastwood Cowboy movie. He's a superhero, but he does nothing until the very end when it's almost too late. It's time to do something now. Anything we could do, the better, the more the better. But these people, if it's possible to find out anything they've done wrong since they love using the law, they need to be tried and convicted and jailed. They need to come up with some new laws, economics, crimes against humanity, and to be woke. Hate crime, economic crimes to humanity. Lock them communists up. Lock them up and throw away the key. All right, Renee, thank you very much for the call. 232-1542, if you'd like to call in. So this all goes to Trump's status with the GOP right now. Um, today at Politico, there's a story uh, how Trump is uh, or why is Trump losing his grip on the GOP? One suspects that Trump himself does not realize how far he has drifted from the original source of his appeal as someone who is not connected to a reigning power structure and may lie and even cheat, but does not traffic in the usual political BS. Now Trump is trying to create his own power structure and even if one accepts that in his self-delusion, Trump really does believe that the election was somehow rigged against him, he also says lots of other things that he self-evidently doesn't believe. This is, again, from Politico. There is little doubt that Trump genuinely believes that the United States has no interest in being at odds with Vladimir Putin's Russia and no business getting enmeshed in the Ukraine conflict. But now that Russian atrocities in Ukraine make that view broadly unpopular, Trump does what any conventional politician would do, pretend that his view is something else, and ludicrously assert that as president he would have been much more confrontational with Putin than the Biden administration, including threatening the launch of nuclear weapons. Trump makes so much noise and instills so much fear in Republican politicians that it can be hard to see the deterioration that is taking place in his political foundation. What they're trying to get to there is that Trump has changed and is becoming as enmeshed in the swamp as everybody else, his own swamp, if anything. And the problem that Trump is facing is the fact that he is losing on a lot of grounds. Uh, like I said, in Alabama now, his preferred candidate, he's rescinded his endorsement of. His preferred candidate in Georgia is likewise not doing so hot. In, I think it's North Carolina, former Governor Pat McCrory, who is not the person that Trump wants to win in a congressional race there, is pulling ahead. His big battleground primaries that he's really hoping to stretch his legs and show he is an influence in the GOP, 
those three races are not coming out so well. Trump is, in fact, losing ground with the GOP. He's got a few problems. The first problem is that he is effectively deplatformed. He can't change the news cycle with his tweets if he doesn't have a Twitter account to do that from. And that was probably the, the, the most powerful tool he had was his Twitter account. Because he could force the national media to change the agenda of the day on a dime if he tweeted out something. And he knew exactly the right time, the right subjects to tweet about. He did it all the time. Trump's popularity in the media and on Twitter and his ability to do that, by the way, started changing with the coronavirus, something that could withstand. It was a news cycle that could withstand his Twitter account. But now he's essentially voiceless. He cannot command the attention of the American public nearly as well and is doing a lot of harm in his ability to make an impact on politics. Another problem that Trump has is his focus on relitigating the 2020 election and now trying to relitigate 2016. He and the Democrats have basically the same problem here. I told you in the last segment, the Democrats want to focus on January 6, 2021. The American public, meanwhile, desperately wants to move on, especially given the current state of the economy. Voters don't care about what happened during and after the 2020 election. They don't care about what happened during and after the 2016 election. They've moved on. They want somebody who can fix the current mess. And that leads to Trump's third problem. It's the same problem that he had in 2020. Messaging. Trump and the candidates who are pushing his vendetta agenda aren't connecting with voters because they don't have a message that fits with what the voters care about right now. In 2020, his messaging was erratic at best. The campaign had no coherent messaging. If you were to look at his Twitter account at any given day during the 2020 election, you could pick any of the, of the, any group of 50 tweets and there was no coherent message among any of them. There really wasn't. He was not coherent in what he was trying to get across to the American public. All of that piled up in 2020. He lost the election. He could not reconnect with voters because he was not giving a message that connected with them. Everyone was concerned about coronavirus. And he was concerned with little tit-for-tat conflicts with everybody that crossed him. Very little change has happened between then and now. Trump is still picking bad candidates, candidates who are more sycophantic than anything and, and talking about what he wants them to talk about rather than endorsing somebody who can stand on their own two legs and then him proudly saying, I backed this guy. This is my guy. Look at how he talks about the economy. Look at how he talks about COVID-19. Look at how he talks about critical race theory. But he's not doing that. He's picking candidates who will talk about what he wants them to desperately talk about, the injustice of 2020. And now that that's not working, he's having to focus on 2016, the Russiagate hoax. And again, Trump has every right to go to court over this. Frankly, it should have happened sooner. 
And there's a lot that needs to come out about what exactly the Democrats were doing. What the Hillary Clinton campaign was doing, how they came up with this whole hoax about being a Russian peon. That needs to come out there. But Trump is using it as a tool to keep his grievances alive in election cycles. When the election cycles are filled with voters who are worried about their wallet right now. That's Trump's problem. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I suspect, even though he's making noise about it right now, I suspect Trump isn't running in 2024. Right now he's saying he is, but he has to if he wants to continue being a power broker in, in this election cycle. But his power broking skills don't seem to be working because his candidates aren't winning. And this is a guy who talks a lot about winners and winning. I expect Trump won't run in 2024 because this election cycle will not actually benefit him. 232-1542 if you want to call in after the break. When we come back, I do want to bring up what's happening in Ukraine because we do have some updates there. One of Putin's top officials, one of his top supporters is fleeing. We'll have all that and more. When we come back here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to call in and calling in now, we've got Ben. Ben, how are you today? Fine. What you got? Okay, so, um, you know, I know you talk, you're talking about Trump a little mm -hmm. bit today. Uh, I guess in the last month and a half, mm -hmm. I've heard... Uh, like three uh, Republican talk show hosts that have had Trump on their show, and they were happy to have him on their show. Mm -hmm. And uh, the man spoke with integrity, spoke with sense. Yeah. And myself as a voter, I'm more concerned about what people what people do. I can care less about what people say. Mm -hmm. You know, I think pe some people are just a little too fickly. You know, on I mean, you're going to vote for somebody on 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 what they say, I think it's a little ridiculous. And, mm -hmm. and furthermore, that's, that's one of the reasons why we're in the predicament that we are in now, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the man was a great president. He really did a great job. And, uh, I mean, it's the proofs in the pudding, partner. Mm -hmm. So that's all I have to say. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much for the call. Two, three, two, 1542. If you'd like to call in. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the thing about, you been mentions the predicament we're in right now is when it comes to what a politician says, it's, you know, it's always 50, 50, just how far they're actually going to go with that rhetoric. The issue that we face right now, and this is not just a Trump thing. This is not a Biden thing. This isn't even an Obama thing. This goes back quite a bit. We've fallen into the trap of supporting the cults of personality. We find a politician we like, and we go all in on that politician. And it doesn't matter how many mistakes that person makes. We stick by them, and we don't call them out. Because if you call them out, you're part of the problem. But it's only while that politician is popular.
The moment the next shiny thing comes along, we discard the old one. Consider Obama. Obama was the greatest thing to happen to our democracy. He was our first black president. He was articulate. He was well-spoken. He was smart. He's the smartest guy in the room. And everybody loved him. Everybody in the media loved him. All the Democrats loved him. And then you know what happened? He left office. He left office and it was Hillary Clinton's turn. And Hillary Clinton lost to Donald Trump. And Hillary Clinton was the next greatest thing. But then you had Bernie Sanders come along. And the very same people who were super, super uh, high on Obama saw Bernie Sanders and they liked him. They said, you know, Obama really didn't do all that much. Obama maintained the status quo. He didn't move as far as far enough. All of a sudden, Obama's not that popular. It's okay to trash him. We do this with politicians. We find politicians we like, and we subscribe to the cult of personality around them. So when they do say something, we think it's the greatest thing they could say. When they don't do what they say, we don't feel let down because we're subscribed to the person. We, 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 are, we are fully on board with them. And we are looking away from the ideas, the ideology that drives us to supporting one side over the other. Cults of personality are the worst thing in politics. There are plenty of good ideas. Plenty of good ideas that don't need a Trump. They don't need a Ron DeSantis. They don't need a, a Ron Paul who had one of the worst cults of personality out there. They don't need a Ted Cruz. They don't need any of those guys because the ideas persist over time. And we need somebody who can message really well on those, but also do it. And that's what the Republican Party needs to find right now. I'm not sure that Trump's that guy anymore. I think Ron DeSantis is the guy, but we have to be objective and step back and say, okay, how much of what we think about Ron DeSantis is based on his ability to do and how much of it is just based on the fact that he trolls the media and the Democrats so well. That's something we've got to think about. 232-1542, if you want to call in. On the phones now, we've got Pam. Pam, how are you? Just fine, and you? I'm doing all right today. Okay. So what you got? My comment is we're not in a trap. We've been misinformed. We've been we've been shut down of our, our our beliefs and our values by the media. Yeah, that's what happened. The media hasn't told the people the truth about the Ukraine. You know that man that's in charge that 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 they painted as a saint. He's a money launderer out of Panama. Got a three hundred sixty million dollar mansion in Florida, and he particularly loves the Caribbeans. But he's a saint, right? Well, let me tell you something. That Ukraine goes back thousands of years. America's only two hundred and fifty years old. Now they can they can cash in all their assets and pay for their own civil war that has been going on for the last eight years. This didn't start yesterday. Yeah, Putin moved in there, but Putin well warned NATO. Leave the Ukraine alone. Leave them alone. Keep them off our borders. Y'all stay out, stay out of our way. Just leave us alone. But no, 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 no. NATO floated that balloon out there again, just like they did to the Ukraine in Georgia in 2014. What did Putin do to the Georgians? 
beat the crap out of them. And those and that and this neo Nazi thing. This ain't neo Nazis in the Ukraine. Them are flat out Nazis. And Putin left us a map. Read the map. See the businesses that were involved. All right, Pam, thank you very much for the call, 232-1542, if you want to call in. You know, there is um, there is something that I want to touch on that Pam just said. Our beliefs are constantly being punished and ostracized by the media. Consider the Babylon Bee. This is kind of a jump, I know, but it feeds into where I was going next. Consider the Babylon Bee. They are an internet satire site. They are like the Onion, but they have a right-leaning, Christian-centric point of view. They wrote an article titled, um, Man of the Year, um, Levine, uh, what's the what's the name of the transgender uh, lady in the department of Levine? Um, they wrote they they called Levine uh, the man of the year, and the Babylon Bee account shared it, and Twitter suspended that account, and told Babylon Bee that they had to delete the account, or they had to delete the tweet that originally posted the story and then acknowledge, publicly acknowledge that the tweet violated Twitter's policy. So the folks who run the Babylon Bee, Seth Dillon, uh, editor-in-chief Kyle Mann, have basically been mocking Twitter nonstop, but also been pushing back against Twitter. Dillon explained in a Fox News interview that they have no intention of deleting the tweet which is what Twitter required that they do if they want to regain access to their account. Remember, the, Twitter, as much of a hellhole as Twitter is, for many publications, it is also one of the best tools for getting new viewers to read their stuff. And Twitter shut down the Babylon Bee's, the publication's Twitter account. The editor-in-chief was locked out of his account when he tweeted, maybe they'll let us back into our Twitter account if we throw a few thousand Uyghurs into a concentration camp making fun of the fact that Twitter does nothing to accounts that are affiliated with China and its human rights violations. Your beliefs are under constant attack. 232-1542 if you want to call in and join the conversation. When we come back, a little bit more on that and what's happening with Russia Ukraine. We'll have a little bit of an update that here in the last segment of the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 232-1542, this is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Glad to have y'all with us today. So just quickly looking at what I was talking about in the last segment. The media, and this is part of the problem the Democrats have for the remainder of this year, the media has gone so far in on all the super woke, super left stuff that they are actively working to make sure that conservative voices and conservative beliefs are not just silenced, but completely tossed out of the public square. Twitter 
banned the Babylon Bee for referring to a military official who was transgender as Man of the Year. They claim in their mission statement that they are a platform for free expression, but more and more often, they silence free expression. I'm not a big fan of the idea of Section 230 reform for social media. I think that getting government in to regulate private businesses, even like Twitter, Facebook, and all these entities, ultimately doesn't end well for regular folks like you and me. Yes, conservative voices do get targeted a lot more often than progressive voices do. But if you give the government power to do it there, you give the government power to do it on conservative websites like Trump's uh, Truth Social platform, like Getter, like the other conservative outlets, uh, conservative social media outlets and platforms that have arisen over the last several years. When you give the government access to one cookie jar, they're going to go into all the cookie jars following the same rules. They are going to continue to make life harder in any social space for us. And we do have to resist. We do have to find new places to share our voices. And we do, frankly, have to stand up to it. I can understand why people would support the Section 230 stuff. I, would un I can understand why they want to regulate social media. And it's going to happen because the Democrats and the media and social media companies are all pushing for all of this and people are getting so angry that Republicans are going to stand up and do it. I think it'll backfire, but I understand why it's going to happen. It's not an if, it's a when. But we have to, we have to continue to be vocal about our beliefs no matter what they're going to do to push us out of the public square. Because the more they push us out of the public square over this stuff, the more other voters around us take notice. There's a reason that the Democrats are failing on every issue in the public square right now. When you look at all the polls, a very, very big reason. It's because most voters don't swing that way. They don't go super far left. Voters are going to vote against this and they're going to push back against it. And eventually, yes, the elites will learn. Now, I did promise an update on what's going on in Ukraine. So let's talk about that. Probably one of the big things right now, one of the big talking points out there right now is the fact that Russia has lost so many troops. Up to 15,000 Russian soldiers have been killed in Ukraine. Russia has lost 40,000 troops to death, injury, captivity, or desertion, according to NATO. A Putin advisor is, has quit, and he's leaving Russia. I hope he's got a really good hiding spot, because Putin does not forgive that very easily. And, I don't, we didn't get to talk about it yesterday, but the State Department, Antony Blinken, formally accused... Russian military of war crimes. This is big. This opens it up to greater problems on the world stage. This opens Russia up to greater, basically, PR problems and potentially world legal problems. The Russians are still pushing 
for China to give them financial assistance and whatever other assistance they can give them. And China is still resisting on that. China does not want U.S. and Western sanctions on them. For the same reason Russia really didn't. See, Russia's economy was decent only as long as they weren't, as the economy wasn't being disrupted by outside forces. But the sanctions being levied on Russia right now show just what a paper tiger the Russian economy is. Look at China's economy. They're, they manipulate their currency. They report a whole lot of economic growth. But imagine when on the global stage, Western sanctions start going after key Chinese assets. This is a communist nation. And it is going to collapse if the, West, if the Western world and Western monetary institutions go after Chinese monetary institutions because they artificially inflate their numbers, basically. China doesn't want any of that. China's economy can seriously be hurt. And when you look at the nuclear power of China, they have the benefit of numbers. Russia thought they had the benefit of numbers over Ukraine, but look what's happened so far. Reports of equipment that's been captured and hauled back by Ukrainian tractors. 40,000 troops injured, uh, injured, dead, or in captivity or have deserted. You have more NATO troops who are being deployed, not to the front lines, but to other NATO countries near the front lines and to NATO allies near the front lines. They've, the war has been going on for a month. I think today is the one-month anniversary of the war starting, of Russia's war against Ukraine. The United States still has a role, and Joe Biden currently is overseas discussing with NATO the role of the United States and the Western world in this. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The United States does have a responsibility on the world stage to fight back against bullies. Because when Barack Obama or Joe Biden or any other Democrat takes us off the world stage, that's bad news for the rest of the world. And that's when our enemies come out and they start acting tougher. Look what happened to Georgia. Look what happened to Crimea. Look what's happening to Ukraine. Look at how uh, Afghanistan fell within days of us withdrawing our troops. Because the Democrats want us off the world stage. They think the U.S. is a destabilizing force. But when America is active on the world stage, we've been a force that has deterred a lot of bad actions. Again, say what you will about Trump and his potential closeness with Putin and all the stuff he said about Putin and Russia. Consider the Trump administration put more sanctions on Putin and the Russians. And Putin never once tried to pull this Ukraine invasion off while Trump was in office. Because Putin and the Russian leadership knew that if there was a Republican in charge, the Republicans would not be afraid to get involved. But the Democrats actively seek to pull Americans out of the global stage. And you know what? That's going to do it for us today. There's the music. We're going to go ahead and head out for a 23-hour break. We will be back tomorrow here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL.